Good morning. I'm Wimala, and today is Friday. And uh, very lovely outside here, and cooler than we've had. So, we're reading from Sharon Salzberg's book, Heart as Wide as the World. And I'm finding her essays are just excellent. And it's uh, difficult to even choose. I'm not reading the entire book. I'm trying to skip through at least in order. So the first section that we've been reading from has been spirit of the spirit of meditation. And today I'm going into the next section, which is the practice of transformation. And the third section is called living with wisdom and compassion. So this, uh, <laughs> The first one I want to read is at the beginning of the section on the practice of transformation, and then we'll sit, we'll have time to sit. I like the title, Seeing Pain, uh, because this the first sentence is kind of what my first experience of meditation was like. The first sentence reads, my predominant experience when I first started practicing meditation was physical pain. <laughs> I saw that and thought, well, that was my experience too. Just sitting was uh, difficult. So, Seeing Pain is the name of this essay. My predominant experience when I first started practicing meditation was physical pain. Not only had I never meditated before, but I had never been able to sit cross-legged Suddenly, there I was in India, expected to sit on the floor in the classical meditation posture. No chairs were provided, and this was before the advent of the meditation bench that supports a kneeling position. We did not even have specialized meditation cushions, such as Zafu's. I just sat on my rolled-up sleeping bag or on a pile of extra clothing. I habitually carried a lot of tension in my body anyway, and when I first sat down in only a semblance of the cross-leg posture, my knees were closer to my shoulders than to the ground. I experienced many levels of pain, not only from the unfamiliar posture, but from deeply embedded physical and emotional tension. It was a powerful revelation to see the thoughts and judgments that arose in my mind in response to the pain I encountered. They were a perfect reflection of my conditioned tendency to avoid looking at pain or any unpleasant experience. Whenever pain arose while sitting in meditation, which was almost constantly, I immediately shifted my posture. Over time, I began to observe that I didn't move because the pain was so intense or severe. I moved with the first mildly uncomfortable twinge in response to certain thoughts that came up in my mind. Oh no, the pain is going to be like this the rest of the day. Or I'm going to be in pain like this every time I sit down to meditate for the rest of my life. Or I'm never going to make it to the end of the sitting period. I was making the assumption 
that what I was experiencing in the moment was only going to get worse. By letting the thought rule me, I was essentially adding minutes or days or a lifetime of anticipated pain to the present moment's pain. Trying to face it all at once, I felt helpless and overwhelmed. In fact, I could have borne quite well what was happening in any given moment, but my fears about the future made the suffering unbearable. On top of this, I added comparisons between my experience and what I imagined that everyone else in the room was experiencing. No one is suffering the way I am. I believed everyone else was having a pleasant, positive time meditating. These thoughts soon melded themselves into quite a negative self-image. If you were a spiritually advanced person, there would be a free flow of energy throughout your body with nothing cramped or twisted and you wouldn't feel any pain. It is because you're so obstructed that you have pain. To what was actually a moderate degree of physical discomfort, I was adding a large degree of mental torment. That all rings true to me. It's very close to the bone. I finally came to realize that I had the same kind of condition reaction to any unpleasant experience, physical or mental. I wanted to move away from it, and I judged myself negatively for having it in the first place. These dynamics were occurring in my mind, unobserved, at other times, not just when I was sitting. Even the word pain was like a neon light glaring in my mind as something fearful, abhorrent, terrible, definitely to be avoided at all costs. All of our lives we are taught to run from physical or psychological pain or to disguise it as if it were disgraceful. We often believe that we should be able to make pain go away. Rarely do we sit down and in an open, relaxed, non-judgmental way, genuinely explore the pain in our lives. Meditation practice is a powerful tool for revealing our conditioned reactions to unpleasant experiences, allowing us to penetrate to their very depths. Opening to painful experience does not mean a passive acceptance of pain. Rather, we learn to go to the heart of each moment, of each moment's experience, even if it is painful, because there, unclouded by conditioning, we discover our lives. The effort to push away what is unpleasant, the tendency to project pain into the future, and then feel overcome by it, the interpretations we add to it, all keep us from having a personal, direct, and intimate acquaintance with what we're actually experiencing. So when we observe something like pain directly, we come to see its actual nature. Like everything else, pain is a changing phenomenon with no inherent substance. Excuse me. 
Eventually, I found that my legs relaxed, my knees reached the floor, and I could sit for long periods of time with no pain. Yet I was, in fact, released from my terrible fear of the pain long before then, when I saw through the seeming solidity of the pain. Rather than viewing it as a monolithic entity taking over my body, I saw the pain as a kaleidoscopic world of ever-shifting sensations. Tingling, tightness, heat, throbbing, and a thousand other qualities of sensation. These were what I had been lumping together and calling pain. By seeing these component parts all in essence coreless and ephemeral, I finally learned to explore the texture of pain rather than feeling crushed by it. Just as important, I could take this lesson into an exploration of emotional pain as well, such as dejection. Like pain, we think of dejection as one thing that is solid and overtakes the mind. But then we can see it as it truly is, some moments of anger, some of mourning, some of sadness, and some of hopelessness, a composite of contingent reality, not solid and unchanging, but fluid and dynamic within itself. We do not need to feel so afraid of it. This is the essence of facing pain, by seeing it clearly, rather than running from it or judging ourselves for it, we become able to develop a radical new relationship to it. Then we can let go of our fear of pain and find ourselves. I like that one. I love that breaking that pain down. It's all, everything's moving constantly. Pain is like everything else. It's conditioned. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not solid. Everything is always coming and going and leaving and changing. It's flowing and it's made up of lots of little parts. So it's not, pain is not a solid entity and we can work with that. I want to read the next one. It's, well, let's see, let me make sure it's not too long. I think it fits in with the, uh, the one about recognizing pain. It's called judging. Yeah. So judging. Early in my practice, I got the idea that really good meditators were continuously being bathed in a, in a flood of white light. No one ever told me I had to experience this white light. Somehow I just imagined that it was a sign of good practice. And I had a sneaking suspicion that as soon as I finally experienced white light, my teacher would bestow the truth upon me. Finally, they would say, we had almost given up hope that you would ever get here. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I think, you know, how many of us, all, we probably all had a different thing that we've imagined would happen when we got it. When we, you know, when we became a really 
good meditator that some kind of light from heaven would open up or something something would totally change in our lives, you know, automatically all at once. But I didn't experience any white light. I mostly had knee pain. As time went on and my practice deepened, I had many different experiences, but none of them were white light, and I really wanted that white light. <laughs> no matter what I experienced, it wasn't good enough for me. Where's the light? Why isn't it here? This was my inner incantation. I felt contemptuous of my practice and judged it constantly, comparing it with what I thought should be happening. The heartache was tremendous. In meditation practice, as in life, we might judge our difficult experiences, such as restlessness, negative mind states, physical pain, and so on, as not being right, as being somehow out of place or worthless. We often try to pro prolong pleasant experiences as though they are the only ones worth having. But with increased patience and insight, meditation practice can take us beyond these conditioned reactions. When we meditate, we view whatever arises with acceptance and a spirit of generosity, with a mind that is open and spacious. The purpose of this acceptance is not to develop passivity, but to get as close to our experience as we can. When we are free of our conditioned reactions, we are able to have an intimate, personal vision of what is true the full range of what a human being can know and feel and want and fear is within each of us, the entire display of a human life. No matter what we are experiencing, being aware of it is the path to wisdom. Once when I was sitting with U Pandita, I began to notice a recurring pattern in our interviews. Whenever I told him about a meditation experience that I thought was wonderful and impressive, his response of, did you note it? Did you note it? In his tradition of practice, noting refers to placing a mental label on each experience so as to know it more directly. But I would sit there and think, what does he mean? Did you note it? It was glorious. How could I have just noted it like everything else? Other times I went to see him with doleful accounts of painful meditation experiences. He looked at me and said each time, did you note it? I would think, what does he mean? Did you note it? It was awful. Can't he understand that? It took a while for me to appreciate the simplicity and importance of Upandita's approach. He was asking me if I had been aware of each experience with spaciousness and clarity of mind. He was far less concerned with what was happening than with the quality of awareness I was bringing to it. What we want in practice is to understand the nature of our lives 
and this does not demand a particular experience, but a quality of awareness that excludes nothing. Meditation is like going into an old attic room and turning on the light. It is not the fantastic white light that I had so much desired, but the common, average, liberating light of awareness. In that light we see everything. We see all of the beautiful treasures that engender awe and gratitude for our ability to discover them. We see all of the dusty, neglected corners that inspire us to say, I better clean that up. We see all of the unfortunate relics of the past that we thought we had rid ourselves of long ago. We see it all with an open and loving awareness. I love that paragraph. It really explains what meditation, what the point of meditation is, doesn't it? It's meditation is like going into an old attic room and turning on the light. It is not the fantastic white light that I had so much desired, but the common, average, liberating light of awareness. I'll go to the next paragraph. The inclusiveness and intimate nature of mindfulness mirrors the nature of love. We discover the fact that awareness can go anywhere and that we are capable of having a loving heart in any circumstance. This discovery is the wellspring of joy that meditation can bring into our lives. Loving awareness contains a strength that the judging mind can never give us. The truth is everywhere in all of our experiences. We do not have to fitfully try to have a sublime, magical experience, and in this effort, disdain what is actually happening. We do not have to struggle to find the truth. Every single moment is expressive of the truth of our lives when we know how to look. As St. Augustine said, if you are looking for something that is everywhere, you don't need travel to get there. You need love. Wonderful. I love this. I love that essay. It's a, I, I have to remember that when I think there are parts of it that I just really resonate meditation is awareness, just opening up to everything. And the other point is the inclusiveness and intimate nature of mindfulness mirrors the nature of love. We discover the fact that awareness can go anywhere and that we are capable of having a loving heart in any circumstance. So beautiful. I think when you, if you think that uh, you, when, when you don't have time to do a loving kindness practice or um, wonder what the point of loving kindness might be and does it really work and uh, why do we do it? It's a wonderful practice, but I think what she says is, um, 
loving kindness practice helps us create a loving heart and that her words about thin, thin love is everywhere I think it's wonderful so the loving heart can go everywhere that's that's I think that's what might be my favorite one so far. So why don't we sit? And let's just, uh, let's do some loving kindness just using her words. Just letting our awareness open up, moving into the, moving into the posture where you're you know, your back is straight, you're lifted up, don't have to be sitting on the floor, crossing your legs. Um, loving, loving kindness is a good practice to do in walking meditation as well, but then keep your eyes open. Just be aware of the breath first, just to come to the present moment. And be aware of your own heart. We need first to tend to our hearts. So may each one of us say this to yourself, may I be happy, may I be peaceful, may I be well, May I feel safe in this world. May I be free from fear, worry, and anxiety. As we tend our heart, our tender heart will grow. And that allows our awareness to grow. So in practicing just loving kindness, be aware of that. Be, be aware of we are taking care of our tender heart. We're strengthening the tenderness and it is also going to increase our awareness of the world. Now send these same thoughts out to a loved one. May my loved one be well, be happy, be at peace. May my loved one be free from fear and worry and anxiety. May my loved one feel safe in the world. And that loving awareness grows as we keep extending this out 
If it gets too far for you and you feel like, oh, I'm not really ready to go that far, come back and take care of your own tender heart. We need to build that, build that muscle. So, now think of a stranger. Think of someone whose face you've seen, maybe just already this morning, but you don't know that person. You haven't met them yet, but you saw the face. You can bring it to mind. And may this stranger, someone I haven't met yet, may, may my stranger be well and happy and feel safe in the world. May my stranger be free from fear and worry and anxiety. May my stranger be at peace. And then just think of a difficult person, just someone who challenges you, maybe someone at work or someone, maybe a neighbor, maybe someone in your family, could even be your loved one. Sometimes it's ourselves. Ah, don't make it too hard. If it's too challenging, just you, you don't want to go there until you're really ready for that. So we're just seeing our difficult person as a human being. We're not, this is not about forgiveness. It's just accepting this person as another human being, seeing them differently, seeing them beyond the challenge. They have the same tender heart that we do. It's there, that's part of basic goodness. May my difficult person be well, may the person be happy, May my difficult person feel safe in the world. May this person be free from worry and fear and anxiety. May my difficult person be at peace and may they find peace. And may I accept that my difficult person is a human being just like me. Now just let all of these good expressions of a tender heart, a loving heart, just let them spread out, radiate out from you through all boundaries. There are no boundaries for a tender heart, a loving heart. 
may all beings everywhere, human beings and non-human beings, beings we can see and beings invisible to us, beings not only in other countries, but in other worlds, other places, in the space around us that we can't even see. May all these beings be free from suffering and the causes and conditions of suffering. May all beings be well and happy. May they all be free from suffering, from fear, worry, and anxiety. May all beings take, be able to care for themselves or be cared for lovingly by others. And may all beings everywhere, including ourselves, be at peace. Thank you so much for being part of my practice and may everything we do and say and think today not only be for our own benefit but for the benefit of all sentient beings everywhere. Thank you. I'll see you here Sunday. Have a wonderful weekend. Take care.